0: Today is a special day on the Christian calendar. Today is Pentecost Sunday, where we remember the day where the Holy Spirit came upon the early believers in the upper room and empowered them to go and share the gospel. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, really in kind of a continuation of what we talked about last week, taking up the towel and the mission of the church. And we're going to read this morning in Acts chapter 2, verse uh, 1 through 13 today. It's an incredible story that happens right among these early believers as they have been gathered in this upper room waiting as Jesus told them to do. And they've gathered there together to pray and there they are, been waiting and waiting and then this happens. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly from heaven there came a sound Like the rush of a violent wind. Take note that the Bible says that there came a sound from heaven. And it says that it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven, living in Jerusalem. Watch what begins to happen here as the story describes what has taken place in the life of the disciples. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered. Apparently what was going on had happened and it came in such a way that it drew the attention of the people who had gathered for the Feast of Pentecost and they began to be onlookers at this. And because they, they were bewildered, because each of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Isn't that beautiful? He says, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia... Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs in their own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And then notice verse 12. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? If there was ever a great question that was asked in the Bible, it's this question right here. What does this mean? Can you imagine for a moment is that you are here, you have witnessing this from the outside and you hear all of a sudden multiple languages of people you know that do not speak those languages and they are declaring the glories and the wonders of God and they are speaking to all of these other people who are gathered there at this moment. What a glorious moment this must have been. And it's important to kind of gain a little bit more about the context of what was happening on the day of Pentecost. The, the Pentecost was a Jewish festival, which in Hebrew is Shavuot, and it's also known as the festival of weeks. And in Hebrew, Shavuot means weeks and refers to the seven weeks between the exodus from Egypt and God's revelation of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. And Greek-speaking Jews refer to Shavuot as Pentecost or the 50th day. And so Pentecost commemorates the day on which God gave the Israelites the Torah and was a festival that they were instructed to partake in, as you can read in Leviticus. And it is one of the three pilgrimage festivals that they would take a travel to Jerusalem to celebrate. And that's why we read here that they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And so here they are together for the festival of Pentecost or the festival of weeks to remember and celebrate God giving the, Moses the law on Mount Sinai. And it's interesting if you really want to look into this to see the comparisons of what is happening in Acts chapter 2 and comparing it to Exodus 19 and 20. We see in Exodus 19 and 20 this powerful thunderings and God's glory coming down on the mountain. And in the same way in Acts chapter 2 with the coming of the Holy Spirit there is a great rushing mighty wind from heaven. And it is surely known that God is at work in their lives. And so we see this glory of what happened on Pentecost, but then let's get to really what we're going to talk about today in verse 12, as they began to ask each other, what does this mean? They asked each other, what does this mean? Because they were amazed and perplexed at their hearing, their language, hearing God's glory and wonder proclaimed in their own languages. And so that began to ask them questions, and they began to wonder, what does this mean? What does it mean that God has empowered these disciples? And now they're speaking to us about God's glory and wonder. And later on, we see after this that Peter goes on and stands up, a guy who has never preached a sermon in his life and begins to tell them the gospel and tell them all about Jesus, whom they crucified, and tells them all the good things that God has done, going all the way back to the beginning and telling them the full picture of the story. And Acts chapter two, in the later says this, that this promise, speaking of the Holy Spirit, this promise is for you, for your children and for all who are far away, and everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And Peter began as he preached, he called them to repent and be baptized, and the Bible tells us that day that about 3,000 people were added to the church. Isn't it amazing that what happened here, that the church grew by 3,000 people at the coming of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples, Peter preaches the gospel, repent and be baptized, and immediately 3,000 people were added to the church. It's a vital lesson to us that the Holy Spirit is what makes the difference in the life and growth of the church. He is the one who gives us the encouragement, the power to preach the gospel, and all that we need towards what we're going to talk about this morning, which is mission. And that is what Pentecost was all about. Pentecost wasn't even about them hearing languages or really even about the miracle itself but it was about what happened the miracle of understanding that all of the nations present watched people ordinary people empowered by the Holy Spirit began to declare the wonders of God in their own native language Isn't it amazing how God spoke to them in their own language God put the gospel in a way they could understand. There was nobody translating it. There was nobody trying to write it down and say, well, here's what God said. No, they heard it for themselves. They were without excuse. And what happened at Pentecost is it shows us God's heart revealed for all of the nations of the earth to know Him and God's mission in action. What happened when the Holy Spirit came, compelled them to preach the gospel to all of the earth, to all of the nations, and this was what the point of Pentecost was, to birth the church to go into all of the earth. It was God's heart revealed for all of the nations of the earth to know Him and God's mission in action. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is mission, not missions, which if you have a church background, you know, missions was often a department of our churches. But in many times we relegated the task of gospel proclamation to missions departments. But as you're going to see here this morning, that mission is something that all of us have been invited to participate in. The Bible shows us that God sent his son, right? Jesus came, born in a manger, died on the cross, resurrected. God sent His Son. And the Bible also shows us that Jesus sent us. And the Bible also shows us that the Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. Ultimately, we can see this from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that God is a missionary God. At the heart, at the core of God's heart is the mission. To reach all people, that all people may know about him, his forgiveness and his redemptive power to transform. That is God's heart. That's God's love for you and I. God is love, and God's love is his mission. It is what God wants you and I to embrace in our own lives and to be a part of. And so we're going to talk about mission this morning, but what is mission? There are a few verses that we read in the Bible that give us an understanding about mission. Jesus says one of them in Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. He says, go therefore and teach all nations. Teach all nations, he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, he says it this way, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Once again, we see this, every creature, all nations, all of the earth, John 20, 21, Jesus speaking to his disciples said it this way, As the Father sent me, so I send you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. We see that when Jesus is speaking at the core of what God is saying and that the core of the Spirit's work is empowering you and I for mission. You and I were intended to be a part of God's mission. The mission is that all of the earth may know of Jesus and know of His goodness and know of His power to forgive and save and redeem. And the mission is not the church's mission. It's not some mission statement rewrite up. No, it's God's mission, which the church has been invited to participate in. You and I have been asked by God to be participants in His mission. One writer said it this way, that there is no participation in Christ without participation in His mission for the world. God's heart is mission. And mission isn't something that we are just kind of, maybe we should be a part of. If Jesus is our Lord, then mission should be a part of our lives as believers. All of us here today, There are no special people with titles who are reserved for the work of mission. There are no certain people who have these roles. All of us here today, every believer has been called to engage in mission. Some may go abroad. Some may go to the person right next door to them. However it may be, we are called to engage in mission with our lives. All of us here today. Because Jesus is our Lord. If this is what is important to the heart of God then shouldn't it be important to us? If this is what God is concerned about, if this is what God is compelled to do, then shouldn't it be our mission and our role as well? If God is a missionary God, then you and I ought to be a missionary people who reflect the God who loves all of the earth. I love the best thing about Pentecost. One of the things I love here is that all of the nations gathered together and they were onlookers to the glory and the miracle of God. And they were the ones saying, what does this mean? They were the ones questioning and wondering, God, what is going on here? And they were compelled by the miracle of understanding here. God captivated their attention and he used Peter to preach the gospel. And, and ultimately, that was what led them to repent and be baptized. There were no crazy antics. There was nothing special about this. It was just the power of the Holy Spirit at work and using the people, and God came and changed lives. There were no certain strategies in place. It was the true, genuine, miraculous power of the Holy Spirit that captivated them towards mission. And so we're going to talk about a few things about mission this morning. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus gives us an idea of mission as he gathers together his disciples and he sends them out. He empowers them and sends them out and tells them what to do and where to go. And these disciples he gathered together. It's interesting, first, before he sent them out, he told them that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then he gathered these disciples together and he sent them out with instructions in Matthew chapter 10. In verse 7, he says this: As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Some translations say, Freely you have received, freely you shall give. We see a two-fold process of mission here, which is important in mission, and we kind of touched on last week when we're talking about Christian service. His mission is both proclamation and incarnation. Mission is both word and deeds. Mission is something that we say with our mouth, but demonstrate with our lives. And one without the other can become kind of counterintuitive in a way. Jesus intended them to both preach the gospel, but also to live the gospel. The gospel being the power of God's uh, God's love for the earth to transform, which you and I have been participants in. And so he told them, when you go, proclaim the good news. Romans said it this way, how are people going to hear without someone preaching? And you know, sometimes when we read that word preaching in our kind of American 21st century mindset, we see the word preaching and we think, well, that's the person who's up front in the pulpit. That's the preacher. But really, when you read this, that's not what this is talking about. This was a foreign concept. The preacher was someone who was bearing the gospel. They were a herald. They had been given a message to share with all of the earth. They were empowered to go. It didn't matter if you had a pulpit or not. All of them were called to preach the gospel. And the gospel, we must not diminish this effect that the gospel is effective with words. People have to hear with their ears what Jesus did on a cross, how he died, how he gave himself. They have to know that part of it. It has to be proclaimed. And that's why Jesus told them, go and proclaim it. Later on in Matthew chapter 10, he said to them, what I say to you in the dark, tell tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. All of us here today have been called to proclaim the gospel, the full gospel. How we were lost, but yet Jesus came and rescued us. How in the beginning everything was perfect, but man fell away. But yet God sent his son to restore our relationship with him so that we might be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We have to use our words to both proclaim. But then Jesus goes on to tell them that mission is not only proclamation, but he tells them, cure the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you shall give. Mission is proclamation, but it's also incarnation. And that's a big word that simply just means to take on form or to take on flesh. That's what Jesus did when he came and was born in a manger. It was God incarnated in flesh. He bore the life of a human. So to demonstrate before us what it means to live as as, as he did. And so to incarnate, means that you and I are called to be incarnational witnesses of the gospel. You and I are supposed to be representatives of Jesus on the earth, bearing the message that we proclaim, we also demonstrate through the life we live. And this is through their actions. And this is why Jesus sent them out to do acts of compassion and mercy. He called them to heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you have received, freely you shall give. It was acts of compassion and mercy that were, presence, that were signs of the presence of Christ on the earth. If we, don't, if we preach the gospel, but we don't demonstrate the gospel, then the gospel that we're preaching can become in question. But when we preach the gospel and we also live the gospel, then the gospel has a fuller effect and demonstration in the life of the people we are living it before. And that's why Jesus came and showed them this. He wasn't just going about preaching. He was actually doing things. And this is what upset the Pharisees and the people of the law all around them was he was preaching the law. He was preaching the gospel, but yet he was also demonstrating it, helping people that culture refused to help, reaching down and giving life to people that nobody else wanted to touch. But Jesus did it to show that the gospel is both proclaimed and incarnated, and that is the way we ought to live. John chapter 6 shows us this lovely miracle of Jesus incarnating the gospel in action. We see this, here's this crowd of people who had been following Jesus and they saw the signs that he did and they just kept following him everywhere they went. And because of their long journeys and travels, they had become hungry. And Jesus noticed this. And Jesus looked on to them and says, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them, the Bible says. So he began to ask the disciples some questions about where to get some food from. The Bible says that he asked Andrew, and Andrew spoke up, and he says, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? It's always amazed me that in the middle of this crowd of people who were hungry, it's the boy who has the most amount of food there. And here he is, asked with his five barley loaves and two fish. And Jesus in his compassion, watch Jesus' compassion. Read the Bible and watch how he acts with people how he attends to their needs. He's so gentle. He's so kind. He's so loving. He doesn't dismiss their needs. He doesn't cast them aside, reject them. No, he takes note of their needs. And he tells them, sit down on the grass. And he sits them down. He takes that bread and that fish and he blesses it and multiplies it to feed a multitude. It shows us that God's acts of compassion were both real, that he preached the gospel that changed lives, but he also lived a gospel that compelled people to follow him. And that's why Jesus also spoke to the disciples and he said to them, signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. Because the gospel is not just words we preach, it is transformation power. It is a redemptive power. It redeems society. It redeems our world. And where the gospel goes, it changes lives. It changes physical needs, social needs. It does so much more than just the soul. And that's the way God intended it to be. It is both proclaimed and lived. And Jesus did just that before them. They showed them the signs of the presence of the gospel. Jesus meeting needs exactly where he was at. Take note as well that as when Jesus was a part of mission, as he was doing the work of mission, he wasn't necessarily going, wondering about where to go, although he traveled many places. Mission was wherever he was present. He engaged in mission right where he was at. He engaged in mission right there. As soon as he saw a need, he said, these people are hungry. We've got to do something about it. He had compassion on them. He sat them down and fed them. He didn't wait for the, something to go on later on. He met the need right where it's at. And that is the nature of mission. Is that mission doesn't wait for us to go somewhere. Mission is engaging right now where we're at. Where is the Holy Spirit calling us to engage in mission right now where we're at? And how can we join in and be a part of it? You might be in the middle of a grocery store and God is calling you to be a part of mission. That's amazing. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that uses us right where we're at. Some may go abroad. Some may be sent to another nation. Some may be sent to a closed country to the gospel. And some may just be asked to go knock on their neighbor's door. Mission is right where we're at. And you and I, our responsibility is to pray and ask, if if mission is the nature of the church, then Holy Spirit, how are you calling us to engage in mission right now where I'm at? How do I demonstrate it? How do I live it? How do I show it right now? If God's heart is concerned about mission, if God's heart is concerned about that, and that is at the core of what He's all about, then it ought to be the heart of you and I. The Bible says it this way in Matthew 24, that this gospel shall be preached to every nation, and then the end shall come. God's concern and heart is for all nations to hear Him and know Him through the gospel. And you and I have been invited to participate in this grand task. Invited to partake in it. Don't wait for an opportunity. Ask Him. Ask the Holy Spirit. Notice that the Bible shows us on the day of Pentecost that when the Holy Spirit came upon them, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Forget all of the other things you've heard about traditions and things about the Holy Spirit. Just look what the Bible says. When the Holy Spirit came upon them you'll be my witnesses. As soon as the Spirit came upon them their first task was preaching the gospel. As soon as the Spirit came upon them they declared the wonders and glory of God and if there is ever any lesson we can learn from the day of Pentecost it is that we need the Holy Spirit to be participants in mission. To show us how to preach the gospel to help us and empower us to use us to be partakers in his mission. Let me ask the musicians to come. Habakkuk said it this way, The nations, they weary themselves for nothing, but the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Remember, there is no participation in Christ without participation in his mission in the world. To be a people that enter into a relationship where Jesus is Lord means to be concerned about that which is his mission, his heart, his divine expression of love for all of the world. If you're here today and you're a believer, you're you're living a life of following Christ, somebody gave you that gospel at one point. Somebody demonstrated it before you. Prayed for you, spoke to you, helped you somewhere along the way. And all of us today, we have a role and responsibility. This isn't the time to just be those who sit on the sidelines and wait for something. No, God has called us right now. Remember, the harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the laborers are few. Where's God calling you to engage in mission? It's not reserved for some special group of people. It's for the most ordinary people. Those, those guys waiting in the upper room, those women waiting in the upper room, they weren't anybody special. They were just ordinary people. Oh, but when the Holy Spirit came, it made all the difference. Helped them, empower them, and strengthened them to go like they'd never gone before. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 people added to the church. Acts chapter 4, they begin to preach in synagogues and being persecuted. 5, the church grows more. 6, it grows even more. By the time they're in Acts 15, they're having councils in Jerusalem and wondering. By the later on, we see Paul going all over the place preaching. And by the time the gospel gets into Acts chapter 17, the, the church has grown by leaps and bounds. They didn't have any, really any method or approach. All they had was the Holy Spirit to help guide them and show them. And then I love how the Bible shows us in Acts 17 that when they began to preach the gospel, people took note. Towns began to realize. They began to persecute them and make fun of them. They called them little names. They called them Christians as a way of a derogatory form of making fun of them. They persecuted. They put them in lions' dens and dungeons and locked them up, but yet they continued to preach the gospel. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was upon them. They kept going. They kept sending. People would come. A new work would start, and they say, well, you know what? This is amazing, but we've got to go over there. So they kept going and going and going and this gospel began to permeate the earth so much so and all of the nations began to take note of what was happening by the time we read in acts chapter 17 the gospel had gone so far that the town of thessalonica had took note and said about the, the the apostles and the disciples and said these people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also Even people who weren't followers of Jesus took note and realized the power of the gospel, that it turned the world upside down. And in a world where everything is up, is down, and down, is up, and right, is left, and left, is right, surely that's what our world needs more than ever before. And we're waiting for change in our world, and we're waiting for solutions and answers to problems, to this and to that, but can I tell you, There is no greater solution than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what God is waiting for is His people to engage in mission. For His people to take up the mantle, the gospel, and go preach. Preach to the person you work with. Preach to them. Live it before them. Love them. Make them a meal. Show them how much God loves them. Demonstrate it through your lives. Show them that the gospel turns their world upside down. Will you stand with me this morning? right where you're at this morning if you'd like to come pray at the front kneel where you're at we're gonna have a time of prayer would you just close your eyes with me for a moment here today I love how Isaiah says it this way how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who proclaim and preach the gospel of peace how beautiful are the feet of those brothers and sisters here today who preach the gospel of peace who live it before their families their friends their co-workers Oh, if we have something that changes the world, shouldn't we tell everybody? If we have something that turns the world upside down, shouldn't we proclaim it loudly? So today, can you just ask God this morning, just right where you're at in the middle of your world and everything that's going on. God, how do I partake in your mission right where I'm at? What are you calling me to do? How do I show people that you love them around me? How do I engage right where I'm at right now? Some may pray that and God say, go somewhere further away. Some may pray that and God just tells you, go talk to the person you've been talking to for a long time and keep loving them. However it may be, all of us here today, God's called us to engage in mission. And on this Pentecost Sunday, can we ask God's Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses, fill us, strengthen us, and help us to make His love great in all of the earth? Would you join me in praying? Lord, we thank you today God, this morning we seek you today we call upon your name, Jesus. God, uh, we're not concerned about our name, not concerned about this church's name, we're concerned about the name of Jesus being made great in all of the earth and we pray, Holy Spirit, empower us to be your witnesses, Lord, all of our petty drama, all the little things that are going on in our lives that just keep us occupied, forgive us, Lord help us to get focused on the mission Jesus God if it's your heart then it should be our heart so Lord we pray today give us a heart like yours Lord God if you love all the nations help us to love all of the earth if you're concerned about hearing all people hearing your name help us Lord to be concerned about that God help us to not neglect the mission help us to not cast it aside Lord make it secondary Help us, Lord, to pursue you with all of our heart and to pursue your mission. Use us, Lord. We give ourselves to you today. We surrender to you, Jesus. We're yours, Lord. We want to see all the earth come to know you. We want to see our families know you. We want to see our friends know you, our co-workers, all the people around us. May they experience your goodness and your faithfulness in their lives, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be the bearers of the Gospel, Lord. Use us, Jesus, use us. As the choir sings, if you just like to make yourself available right where you're at, would you just pray where you're at? Come to the front, however it may be, God leads you. Would you just ask the Lord today, pray. The disciples were up in the upper room waiting and praying. Then the Holy Spirit came. Pray today. Ask God for His Spirit.